This program is brought to you by Abiding Above Ministries. Well, what I'd like to do this morning, I'm going to do a lot of reading, and I just feel led to do this. But basically, I'm going to do a lot of reading and talk about some of the Old Testament saints that went through some really hard times, and then God really used them in mighty ways. And the reason I'm doing this is because every principle you see that they learned from and applied to their life, we can still do the same today. There's no reason we can't. And I want us to look at the fact that some of the Old Testament saints, they weren't perfect like us. None of us are perfect, amen? Only Jesus was perfect. They messed up just like we messed up. And it doesn't matter what age you're at, but at some point you have to say, I choose to change. And that's what we're going to see in this message. So the title of the message is Abandoned to God. Abandoned to God. And we're going to look at uh, Exodus chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. I'm going to do a lot of reading, so just bear with me on that. Doing a lot of reading. So I want to start in my introduction by talking about a man named Dwight L. Moody. Now, he wasn't an Old Testament saint. He's been more recent, but he was a great evangelist that God used in a marvelous way prior to uh, Billy Sunday and prior to uh, Billy Graham. Dwight L. Moody was one of the weak instruments which God has chosen to confound the mighty. It's interesting. In present day and even in the Old Testament days, God seems to always use what's weak to confound the wise. And that's what happened with Moody. He had very little education before his conversion to Christ. So no matter who you are here, no matter what kind of education you have, don't even worry about that. There's only one thing. You choose, I'm going to abandon myself to God. At 17 years of age, talking about Dwight L. Moody, he could scarcely read or write. And in a Bible class, he could not turn to the book of John, but search for it in the Old Testament. In God's timing, Moody was genuinely born again, uneducated, didn't know his way around the Bible, but he was genuinely born again. His whole life was now changed and became one of a joyful, Christian service the rest of his life. This is what he said about himself. He said, before my conversion, I worked towards the cross, but since then I have worked from the cross. Then I worked to be saved. Now I work because I am saved. Again, he says, I remember the morning on which I came out of my room after I first trusted Christ. I think the sun shone a good deal brighter than it ever had before. I thought that it was just smiling upon me. And as I walked out on Boston Common and heard the birds singing in the trees, I thought they were all singing a song to me. In other words, he was saved. And his spirit was just lifted and his emotions were lifted. And things seemed to smile upon him. Moody was now running over with zeal and love for the master, but he does not seem to have received much help and encouragement from the deacons and church members in the church which he was attending. Isn't that sad? He's born again. He's basically uneducated. Nobody knows who he is. 
And so he goes to a church and he's not very well received. Isn't that sad? It makes you want to ask, how many people are in our churches that are truly born again? They may just be in a tradition. It may just be a place to socialize. How many are truly born again? So it says this, next year after his conversion, he was denied church membership. They said, you can't be a member here because he was not sufficiently instructed in Christian doctrine. My thoughts are this. If they're born again, even if they don't know where Genesis is, come on in. We'll begin teaching you today. Amen? That's the way it should have been. But instead, he was denied. In 1856, the second year after his conversion, Moody went to Chicago, where he united with the Plymouth Congregational Church and became a very active Christian worker. They received him, putting his soul and energy into the work of winning men to Christ. He rented a pew in the church and filled it with young men every Sunday. Then he rented another and another until he had rented and filled four pews in the church. He got the pastor to to reserve pews, and he said, during the week, prior to Sunday, I'm going to fill those pews. He did those things. The great revival awakened by Charles Finney spread to Chicago, and Moody was in his element. Meanwhile, he was prospering in his business and was so good a salesman of shoes that his employer sent him out as a commercial traveler. This is what you ought to do. I see a lot of people sleeping. That is so sad. And that is part of the reason of the decline in this city. This young man had no education, but you know what? He was working somewhere. He was trying. And he became a great salesman of shoes to the point they said, look, we want you to travel and sell shoes. And he did. And God blessed him. He became a commercial traveler selling shoes. He found a little mission Sunday school in Chicago where they had 16 teachers and only 12 students. Here he applied to become a teacher. They consented on condition that he would find his own students. This just suited his taste. And next Sunday, he arrived with 18 little hoodlums, which he had gathered from the streets. He soon was building a crowd. This man was not lazy, sleeping in the middle of the day. This man was trying to make a difference right where he was. I'm going to do that the rest of my life. And I encourage you to do the same. And when we get to heaven, we're going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. And nobody will be able to blame us for a city going straight to hell rapidly. The money's about gone. Nobody will be able to blame Chris Hodges. I've been doing this for many years, trying to make a difference. But people have to apply the teaching of the Word of God for their lives to change. Blaming is over with. It's over with. The blame is in the mirror every morning. In the fall of 1858, he began another mission. So now, not only does he have one mission, not only is he selling shoes during the day, he's now got another mission. He's letting God lead him. And it says here, he began another mission, school, on a larger scale in another part of the city. This is Chicago. Chicago now is the most violent city in the United States. And this was going on in 1858. He didn't give up. He kept trying to go forward. The large hall that they let him use was soon overcrowded. He then procured a larger hall. He sees growing 
growing, growing, which afterward developed into one of the leading churches of Chicago. The big hall he soon had filled with street children. He was trying to do something. The children loved him and crowded in by the hundreds and sung the hymns with great enjoyment. Moody also enticed them in with prizes, free pony rides, picnics, candles, and other things dear to the hearts of the children. He was doing whatever he could with whatever he had to try to get them in, and then he taught them the Word of God. What you see, what you hear, changes you from the inside out. At first, he seems to have spoken very awkwardly in public. When he first arose to speak in a prayer meeting, one of the deacons assured him that in his opinion, he would serve God best by keeping still. Told Moody, you will be better if you just stay still. Another critic who praised Moody for his zeal in filling the pews at Plymouth Church said that he should realize his limitations and not attempt to speak in public. This man was going to go on and speak to hundreds of thousands of people, but he was being told things that could have just made him give up. But he didn't. He abandoned to God. He kept going forward. And so the deacon said, you make too many mistakes in grammar, and you shouldn't really be a public speaker. This is what Moody said. He said, I know I make mistakes, and I lack many things but I'm doing the best I can do with what I've got. That encourages me. There's nothing worse than being around those who've given up and they're not going to go forward and they got their mind made up instead of being like Moody, having their mind made up, I'm going to abandon myself to God and I'm going to go with him as far as he takes me, which is all the way into the heavenlies. He says, I'm doing the best I can with what I've got. He then paused. And looking at the man searchingly, inquired in his own interminable way, look here, friend, you've got grammar enough. What are you doing with it for the master? In other words, the man who was saying, your English is no good. You shouldn't speak in public. Moody said, you have good English. You can speak in public. What are you doing with it? It was during this first visit to Britain that Moody heard the words which set him hungering and thirsting after a deeper Christian experience, which marked a new era in his life. The words were spoken to him by Mr. Henry Varley, the well-known evangelist, as they sat together on a seat in a public park in Dublin. This were the words that Varley used to Dwight L. Moody. He said this, The world has yet to see what God will do with and for and through and in and by the man who is fully consecrated to him. He said, a man, Moody was thinking. He said a man. He did not say a great man, nor a learned man, nor a smart man, but simply a man. Dwight L. Moody said, I am that man. And it lies with the man himself whether he will or will not make that entire and full consecration. I will try my utmost to be that man. He made his mind up. I'm limited. I don't speak good English. 
I'm not highly educated. I make a lot of mistakes. But I'm going to be the man so abandoned to God that God will use me in more greater ways than he uses other men who are very capable because they simply have never to come to the point I choose to be fully abandoned to God. And so that's what he said. He said, I'm going to be that man. So the words kept ringing in his mind and burning their way into his soul until finally he was led into the deeper, richer, fuller experience for what his soul yearned. The impression, the words made. Remember, the words are this. The world has yet to see what God will do with a man who's totally surrendered to him. This is burning in him. The impression the words made was deepened soon afterward by words spoken by Mr. Bewley of Dublin, Ireland, to whom he was introduced by a friend. Is this young man all O and O, asked Mr. Bewley. Is this young man all O and O? What do you mean by O and O, said the friend? Is he out and out for Christ? So let me ask you this question. Would you rather sleep during the day, make no progress, or would you rather say, like Moody, who was uneducated, could not speak well, but he said, I'm going to be the man the world has never seen that's just simply out and out for God. End of story. Whatever that means, I'll do it. And that's what he did. And that's why we're reading about him right now in 2023. He is out and out for Christ. From that time forward, Moody's desire to be O-N-O for Christ was supreme. Can it be said about you that you are out and out for Christ? That's Dwight L. Moody. He didn't have name recognition. He didn't have education. He wasn't a good speaker, but he did as much as Billy Graham did in our day. He was before Billy Graham. He was before Billy Sunday. Dwight L. Moody. And the most famous church in America is Moody Memorial Church in Chicago, Illinois, named after the one who had no education. He wasn't a good speaker. But what made him different? He was O and O for God. One of you could start on a street corner right here preaching. Not to, to be noticed, not to become famous, but just simply say, I just feel God telling me to do this and I'll do it. And the next thing you know, we may be hearing about you all over the world speaking for Christ, not trying to get rich. Matter of fact, giving it all away as you go. Because one day you're going to die and leave it anyway. This world is looking for someone who will stand and preach God's word, not asking or looking for anything because we're dying daily. What about an Old Testament saint? Think about Joseph. He started with a beautiful coat of many colors and the favorite of his father. Now, how do you think that made his brothers feel? He's got a beautiful coat that his dad gave him, and it was obvious that his dad loved him more than all of his other brothers. So I do feel sorry for his brothers, but his brothers got even. They threw him in the pit. So think about Joseph. He started with a beautiful coat of many colors and the favorite of his father. He was a prideful young man. Why was he prideful? Look at my coat. Look at my colors. I mean, look, he was prideful. Look, my dad loves me the most. He was full of pride. What happened to Lucifer in heaven? What was found in his heart? Pride. God put him away. So... God always takes the good and the bad in our life and works it out to bring him glory. God lovingly humbled Joseph 
as a slave in Egypt. It humbled him. It's the best thing that ever happened to him. Because of the wisdom of God in a now humbled Joseph, he saved the nation of Egypt from starvation due to a severe famine. The famine caused the family of Joseph to move to Egypt, where God caused them to increase in number rapidly, numbering more than two million. So Genesis 50 closes with the death of Joseph. You remember, he could interpret dreams. And the rulers, they had a dream, what was going to happen. And Joseph said, we got to start saving food right now for seven years because there's going to be a seven-year famine. And look what happened. Exactly what he said happened, and they were all prepared because of Joseph. He saved them from going into starvation and ruin. Genesis chapter 50, 24 through 26, Joseph started as a prideful boy. God lovingly humbled him and used him to save a nation. At the end of his life, Genesis chapter 50, verses 24 and through 26, and Joseph said to his brethren, remember, his brothers threw him in a pit sold him to a caravan that was coming through. They bought him, took him in to Egypt as a slave. He started out as a slave. And Joseph said to his brethren, I am dying, but God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land to the land of which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph took an oath from the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died, being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Many years elapsed between the end of Genesis and the events of Exodus. Exodus is when Moses led the children of Israel out of slavery. To grow to more than 2 million people from about 100 people would mean an annual growth rate of 5% and about 215 years. So there was a long point of time that elapsed after the death of Joseph, and then Moses rises up. God used Dwight L. Moody. He didn't have any good background, no prestige. God used Joseph, though he was a prideful young man. God humbled him and used him in a great way, saving a nation. And now Moses arises. You see this in Exodus 1, the closing of Genesis, now Exodus 1. The Israelites had so increased in number and in power that Pharaoh thought they would pose a threat in time of war. So he decided to make slaves of the people and to destroy every male child and thus eventually wipe out the Hebrew race. That's what's happening right now in Israel, 2023, right now. They're trying to wipe out the Jewish race. Hitler tried to do the same thing with a gas chamber, but it never works. God's not going to allow it to work. And so, three evil rulers in Scripture ordered the slaughter of innocent children. It was Pharaoh, it was Athaliah, and it was Herod. They tried to slaughter the males so they couldn't produce children and eventually wipe out the entire race. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Satan was behind it all. And what's happening right now in this city, among our leaders in office right now, and it's been happening for many years around the world, Satan and his demons are going in and out of people, causing them to do horrible things that hurt the people. 
He was behind it all. What Satan was doing in the Old Testament, remember, Jesus had not been born in Bethlehem yet. Satan was trying to stop Jesus from being born because he knew if he is born, I am doomed. The truth is this, Satan is already doomed. He's sailing a sinking ship. But Jesus did come. The Messiah did come, and he did do what the Bible taught. He died on the cross for you and me. Satan had never forgotten God's promise. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, talking to Satan after he tempted Adam and Eve and they sinned, God said to Satan, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. In Exodus 2, we see Moses is born. All this is coming from the mind of God. Satan is trying to stop everything God's doing all through the Old Testament. Before Christ ever came to die on the cross, all this was going on. Satan was trying his best to stop it, and he's doing the same thing right now all over this world. He's doing the same thing. He's trying to stop the Word of God. And so we see in Exodus 2, Moses is born, his mother, uh, Jechabed. We see this in Exodus 2, 2 through 3. Listen to this, his mother. So the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, dabbed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. She was trying to protect him by moving him out. And we know what happens. Pharaoh's daughter discovered him, and he ended up growing up in royalty. There's only one way that could have ever happened. God chose this to happen. And that little ark she made is a picture of Noah's ark. Moses was put inside of it. When you pray and ask Christ to come into your heart, God places you inside of Christ. Noah's ark was a picture of Christ. When they went into it, the Bible says Noah did not close the door. God closed the door. When you pray and ask Christ to come to your heart, that's a picture. You've now been baptized into Christ, and you're sealed in that spot by the Holy Spirit. This is the Old Testament. This is showing something that was going to happen long in the future. And so, in Acts 7.22, And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. All right. Dwight L. Moody didn't have anything like that, and God used him. He uses the weak. Joseph was very prideful, beautiful coat. His father loved him the best, but God had to humble him before he used him. Moses was born in poverty, but his mother put him in an ark, and so Pharaoh's daughter found him, and so he was born in a palace. He was educated, and he was royalty. So guess what God has to do with him? He has to humble him. I'm telling you, God either takes the humble and uses them, or he humbles the prideful, and then he can begin to use them. It's just the way it is. So Moses began his ministry in the power of the flesh. Exodus chapter 2, verses 11 through 15. It talks about Moses, but basically uh, Moses kills a soldier and buries him. And then God has to put Moses out in the wilderness for 40 long years. He was in absolute obscurity to the point where though he once was a good speaker, when he came out of that 40 years, now he couldn't speak well because he had been with dumb sheep for 40 long years. 
God humbled Moses and then God used him in a marvelous way. So what do we learn from all this? If God is going to use you, if you say, I'm going to be O and O for God, out and out for God, abandoned to him, you can know this. God will search you deeply, not because he's mad, but because he's wanting you to line up with his will for your life. And so he searches you deeply. And God will begin doing this immediately when you say, from this day forward, I choose to go O and O for God, out and out for God. I choose to be abandoned to him. God will start with you right where you are. Education means nothing. How much money you have means nothing. Who your mom and dad was means nothing. When you choose, I'm going to walk away from this world system and I'm going to abandon myself to God, God will take you right there and then in the middle of nowhere and God will begin to grow you up like a flower and use you in greater ways than anybody ever thought you could be used and even better than you even thought of your own self. But you have to say, I choose to go out and out for God. Amen? And so you can know this. Satan is always trying his best to stop you. Remember the ten plagues in Egypt? That was all orchestrated by Satan and his demons to try to stop what God was about to do. But you know what? It never did stop God. Moses led them out of Egypt, which was a miracle. They saw ten plagues. And then he led them out of Egypt. Pharaoh's army followed them, got to the Red Sea. They thought, oh my goodness, we're going to die. And then Moses lifted his uh, staff and the Red Sea parted. And the Bible says they walked across on dry ground, dry ground. And then as they got on the other side, they turned and saw all the Egyptian soldiers following them. And when they all got in there, then the waters came down and drowned every one of them. And the reason we know the Word of God and not science, science is absolutely satanic in many ways. The Word of God and the Spirit of God is what we really have. The archaeologists are still digging up chariots, their wheels, bridles, all kind of things that were part of that army. Helmets, they're still digging things up out of the Red Sea that they crossed. And God did all that. Amen? All right, your choice. Will you be abandoned to God? You might as well be. Why? Because you're dying every day. You say, that's negative. No, it's positive. We're going to get out of here and go to heaven. But until then, we have work to do. Amen. You've been listening to Abiding Above Ministries with Chris Hodges. If you would like Chris to speak at your church or event, please go to our website, abidingabove.org. God bless you and make you a blessing.